Hello everyone and welcome to interview number three. Today we have a very special guest with us and his name is Dr. Nicholas Parisis. Dr. Parisis is a radiology resident in Minnesota. Doctor, thank you for joining this interview today and let's get started. So how are you doing today, doctor? Doing good. I just got a haircut and got home not too long ago. Thanks for having me on. Cool. All right, so question number one, can you tell us a little bit about your education, like where you went to undergrad and which medical school you went to? Of course, so I attended the University of California, Santa Cruz, where I received my Bachelor in Science in Molecular Cell and Developmental Biology. And then I attended the Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine in Bradenton, Florida for medical school. And as you know, now I'm at the University of Minnesota in Minneapolis for radiology residency. Got it. And what is the role of a radiologist and why is it important? So radiology basically encompasses everything to do with medical imaging. So that includes things like x-rays, CT scans, MRIs, ultrasounds, nuclear studies, fluoroscopy exams, which are live x-rays, as well as a whole host of interventional radiology procedures. Um, so the role of radiologists, the role of a radiologist is very vast and broad. Um, and it's important because medical imaging is a very important data point for other doctors to make medical decisions about a patient's care. So for example, if a patient has chest pain or abdominal pain or a headache or something like that, they might come to the emergency department with signs and symptoms and that emergency doctor will examine them, take a history and physical, um, do a vast uh, array of tests, including labs and maybe an EKG, depending again on the problem, if it's cardiac. And it's not uncommon to get medical imaging. So like a chest X-ray, a CT scan of the chest, abdomen, or pelvis, a CT scan of the head, for example. So imaging provides a lot of information for doctors to make decisions. So it may make the difference between a patient getting certain chemotherapy or not, or a patient getting a certain surgery or not, or a patient being discharged home or being admitted to the hospital. Got it. And when did you decide that you wanted to become a radiologist? Like, was it in high school or did you know in college? Yeah, so I had no idea what radiology was as a high schooler. And um, in college, I had a vague idea of what it was uh, based on my interaction with an emergency doctor looking at a chest x-ray and him calling the radiologist. And that was pretty much it. Got it. Um, in medical school, I did a radiology rotation very early on in my third year. So I ex explored that interest um, very early. So I think that that's important. So it wasn't until third year of med school, but then I went through the rest of the third year of med school where you do your core rotations and other specialties um, and kept an open mind. And at the end of third year, I still, I kept thinking back to that rotation um, and how much I, how much it resonated with me, how I could see myself doing that job as an attending 30 years on the line, et cetera, and so on. So it wasn't until medical school when I uh, decided. Um, and it's not uncommon for people to decide on radiology in their early in their fourth year, so pretty late on when they need to apply. And the reason for that is because radiology is not a required core rotation for medical school. Um, it's an elective, so if you have the interest, I would certainly encourage you to pursue it, but 
don't feel like you have to do anything right now if you're in high school or college to prepare for radiology. Best thing you can do to prepare is uh, just be the best medical student that you can be, and then that'll set up the foundation for you being the best doctor that you could be, right? Right. Um, Great. So in order to become a radiologist or a doctor, what courses do you recommend taking in college? Yeah, so the courses don't matter so much as kind of developing um, the good study habits that'll set you up again for success for the next level. So it's all about setting yourself up for the success for the next step. So in high school, that's for college. In college, that's to get you into medical school, which is a huge hurdle. Um, And then when you're in medical school, it's deciding on a specialty and then applying to residency. And then after residency, getting a fellowship um, can be competitive sometimes, depending on on the field. But generally speaking, for radiology, the fellowships are um, not as competitive. Um, it's typically not a problem to get a fellowship, let me put it that way. Um, and then further along the line, you know, it's much easier to get a job uh, as an attending. You know, so things get easier down the road. Um, so I don't recommend any particular courses. Now, if you were like me and you were interested in health and physiology and sports, uh, human performance, things like that, um, and you were interested in biology, then it wouldn't hurt to continue exploring those interests in high school and college, just like I did. So in high school, I'll just share the courses that I took. I took biology and then biology AP. I took marine biology um, and I took chemistry. And then the other important course I took was statistics. So I didn't take calculus, I only went up to pre-calc. Um, you know, I didn't do too many AP classes and I kind of stuck to what I was interested in. And then in, in college, um, I took courses um, that were pertinent to my major of molecular and cell biology. And then I took courses that were more pertinent, you know, less so to the biochemistry side of things and more so to the uh, medical school side of things, things like physiology, anatomy, microbiology endocrinology courses like that so um those are the courses that i would suggest but you know if you're interested in computer science or in english literature or in history economics psychology something else then definitely pursue those interests because then your grades will be better your passion will show your interest will show then when you get to med school you're going to take the same classes as everyone else and your medical knowledge will be at the same caliber so don't stress out too much cool And how did COVID-19 impact your residency and education? Yeah, so I started as a intern. Um, An intern is a first year resident. Um, Right when the pandemic started. So I basically finished my fourth year of medical school and graduated as the pandemic started. And then I worked as an intern. And then now I'm a second year resident, radiology resident. And so the pandemic has uh, taken a toll, I think, on residents and them being you know having a cohesive unity uh, because we're not you know we don't do as many things outside of residency outside the hospital as we used to so that can really affect mental health well-being a sense of community all of these things and that kind of sucks Um, especially for people moving to a new place moving um, to a new city where they have to make new friends. And oftentimes you kind of bank on residency um, uh, being a source of community and friendship and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we don't do things like going out uh, as much or having people over or, you know, 
that type of thing. Right. So that's the first way. The second way is that we used to have a lot more lectures and didactics and teaching uh, in person. So in person lectures and um, now a lot of that, all of that is available on Zoom so that people can tune in remotely if they're not able to or if they're out with COVID or something like that. And so for the longest time, you know, that kind of remote style of teaching is far inferior to the in-person style. So resident radiology, resident education, I think it, it, won't, it, won't, it wouldn't surprise me to, um, if a lot of attendings feel like uh, radiology resident education suffered a little bit because of COVID, so. Mm -hmm. And how did you choose uh, radiology over all the other specializations that are available to you? Yeah, it's a looming question. It's a looming question. Um, the eternal question. So how I chose it, so that's the question, because there are reasons why I chose it, which I can talk about as well, if, yeah, if that's what you'd like. So how I chose it was, like I said, I did a rotation early on in my third year. Super important. Explore the interest. See if it's right for you. Mm -hmm. I was told that I'd be in a basement and you'd be in a dark room and not talk to patients, and that was not the case. Um, so do, do a rotation early. So. Um, and then go into every rotation with an open mind. You never know what you're going to end up liking. I ended up liking psychiatry a lot more than I expected to. Um, I ended up disliking family medicine a lot more than I expected to. Um, so you just never know what's going to speak to you. Right. I know people who I would never expect to have gone into OBGYN and they go into OBGYN because that's what spoke to them. So how did I, how did I even think to do the rotation in radiology? That's really the crux of the question. So before medical school, I took two years off. I took two gap years and I worked in San Francisco at a Google Glass startup called Augmedics. And this company basically does remote medical scribing. So if you can imagine the doctor is wearing Google Glass um, on their face like glasses. And on that unit, there is a little camera and a microphone. And then the audio and the video can be sent through Wi-Fi. Um, to a scribe that's remote. So these scribes were in India, there, I think they've expanded to um, South America now, or possibly Mexico, I'm not sure, because I don't work there anymore. Um, so, so basically the scribes can do the documentation, they can do the doctor's notes in real time because they would go see the patients, and then as the doctor was seeing the patients, they could see the interaction, much like we're, how we're Zooming right now. Um, and they would write the notes. And so that was my first exposure to kind of technology and its implication in medicine or healthcare at large. Then when I got to medical school, I paired up with a biochemistry PhD professor and he was doing research using this, um, this software tool. And basically it was, a, it was a molecular modeling software tool. So I won't get too far into it, but basically I was designing using software um, different molecules and then doing some molecular modeling to see how these might play out in a biological setting. Mm -hmm. So that was my next big kind of technological software experience with science. Mm -hmm. And then, then um, you know, it's the most technologically advanced um, it's the most kind of as close as you can get to a desk job, really. You know, we have really power soft, powerful software tools. We have really powerful machines that are used, very expensive machines, very expensive monitors, very high resolution monitors to look at the images uh, at our workstation. Um, because of course, image resolution is super important so that we can 
see what's going on in the patient. That makes sense on the computer screen. So um, those are those are some of the reasons how I came to thinking about radio. I had heard good things. You know, it's a, it's an interesting field, this, that, and the other. Um, and yeah, that's how, how I went about it. Got it. And can you describe the typical day in your life as a radiologist, like what you do? Yeah, so I'm not a radiologist quite yet. I'm a radiology yeah, resident. resident yeah. I would consider myself a radiologist after residency, for sure. Um, so a day in my life would be different um, than a day in the life of an attending. And the day in the life of an attending looks different in different hospital settings. Um, urban versus rural, you know, university versus government versus international versus county, you know, you name it. The practice settings change. But generally speaking, you know, you get up, have your coffee, breakfast, whatever, and you get to your workstation and you get to work. So you can imagine you have like this nice standing desk. Almost all of them are like adjustable desks. Mm -hmm. um, you have anywhere from three to, you know, five monitors. Um, they're like 6K resolution or like 8K or something. Um, of course, you have your keyboard, your mouse, the usual stuff. Um, and you also have a dictaphone, which is like a microphone. And so you basically dictate into the microphone the images that you're seeing and you come up with a report. And so you are basically describing the anatomy or the pathology or the disease that you're seeing. You're, you're describing the processes that are going on um, within the patient. So basically you open up a study that's like on your like list that you have on your computer. It opens up all of the images. Then you start looking at them, thinking about what this might be. Um, and then you dictate a report and then you sign the report and that report gets sent out to the electronic medical record. And so this is um, kind of the diagnostic side of radiology. And so that's kind of the main part of the job. Um, of course, you might be on the phone with other doctors. Uh, people might come into the room so that you, you can sign paperwork or talk about a patient's care. Um, you might have your day interrupted by um, doing procedures, like going to do a biopsy or something like that. Or a radiology technologist, the people who obtain the images, they may have questions um, and they may, that they may come to you with. Um, you might be teaching medical students and teaching res residents. Um, you might be doing research. You might have <laughs> meetings like this, administrative things. So that's kind of how your day is broken up. And then typically you have lunch. You might work through lunch if that's your schedule. Typically someone has to cover for, for noon, noon lunch coverage. Um, if, it's, if it's lunch and you're the person giving lecture that day, if you're at an academic institution, then you're giving lecture. <laughs> you know, you have like teaching right. files. Um, and then in the afternoon, we typically work until about 4.30. Um, so it's anywhere from 7.30 to 8 to 4 to 4.30 in the afternoon. Um, so it's all shift work. And so when you're on, you're on. And then when you're off, you're off. You don't take any work home with you. Now, that's not to say you can't work an evening shift or a swing shift or an overnight shift, depending on how your job is structured. So generally speaking, that's kind of how a day goes. Got it. And this might be a tough question, but what are some of the most interesting cases that you have seen as a radiology resident? Yeah, so it's a hard question to right. speak in, in generalities, um, but what makes radiology an interesting specialty is the fact that we, on average, see more interesting cases than I think other specialties do. And the reason for that is because we can see, you know, and I put C in 
quotation marks and <laughs> with my fingers, um, we see the patients um, on our screen and we can see more patients on average than other physicians might be able to. So instead of maybe seeing 30 in a day in like clinic or something, um, or like 10 if you're doing surgery or something or five, um, then you're seeing more like 50 to 100, if not more. So on average, you're seeing more interesting cases. Those cases can range from, you know, tr trauma. Um, you know, with trauma, you can have all sorts of hematomas and lacerations and um, fractures of pretty much any bone that you can think of. You know, any blood vessel can rupture. Uh, there could be all sorts of, uh, of traumatic injuries. Um, of course, Lungs can get bruised, lung contusions, pulmonary contusions, myocardial contusions with the heart, um, splenic lacerations, the spleen, uh, the liver can get injured often. Um, so trauma is very interesting for many people. It has a kind of that emergency aspect to it. Um, other interesting cases, it just depends on what what subspecialty of radiology that you're, you're on. Um, so, it depends on, again, what you find interesting, right? So I've seen, uh, you've probably heard of the disease sickle cell disease. So I've seen cases of that. I've seen tropical diseases like tuberculosis, um, neurosister sarcosis. So I can, I can tell you about all these cases, but it's much more interesting to see them on a right. daily basis yeah. and to ideology to talk and think about it than it is for someone to hear about it on a podcast. So, right. Um, kind of suits itself better to like a visual medium, like something like Instagram or YouTube, where you can also find uh, some some of my content there. Um, but yeah. Got it. And um, what were some tips that you have to get into medical school and residency programs? And how did you manage your stress through uh, medical school? Yeah, so First of all, I'm going to plug my YouTube channel because I've done a video about kind of my path sure. to medical school and kind yeah. of some of the things that I did. Mm -hmm. So go check out my YouTube channel. It's probably the first video that's related to that question. Mm -hmm. um, I think the things that you have to do to get into med school are basically keep your grades as high as you can and do as well as you can on the MCAT. It's no secret. Everyone knows this. After that, you're going to get an interview. And uh, it's important that you haven't only done those two things. It's not like you need to dedicate your entire life to studying because then you won't be a, a well-rounded person. And then right. what's the point of life? Mm -hmm. um, you need to enjoy life and, and um, you need social and emotional intelligence as a physician. Communication is super important. Interpersonal skills are super important. And so the way you can develop those are by not doing the two things that I talked about, AKA GPA and MCAT. Uh, the way you do those is by exploring your interests and your hobbies. So when I was in college, I played rugby. So I've always been an athlete and that was really important to me that I continued to do that. And so that was one way I can do that. Another way I did that was by having a creative outlet. And so for me, that's also uh, my creative, my main creative outlet has been um, playing traditional Greek folk music. So I'm a musician and I kind of perform at a semi-professional level for dance groups and parties and performances and things like that. Mm -hmm. So it's important not to stop doing things like that. Mm -hmm. um, other creative outlets, you know, it can be whatever you want, you know, so you can be like part of a club, you can start a club, you can do photography, social media stuff, video stuff, whatever, you know, painting, drawing, whatever you're yeah. interested in. So 
um, just kind of stay well-rounded, have those leadership abilities, those communication skills, those kind of soft skills, because once your CPA and MCAT are good enough, you'll get the interview and you'll interview well. You know, you'll do some interview prep, nothing too serious, but you'll have kind of developed that social, emotional intelligence, that charisma to then go into the interview and do well and impress them. And then they'll let you in and that's it. And then, you know, you yeah. can you you'll take care of the things that you can take care of that are in your control, right. and that's like apply broadly and apply early, so that way you can have the best chance at success. So those are my tips for that. Um, your other question, remind me again. Um, so how did you manage your stress or workload through medical school? Yeah, I don't even know. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. So the way. The way to manage it is is by uh, uh, time management, and so we all have the same 24 hours in a day, unfortunately. So um, it's all about how you manage your time. And when I talk about management, I think the word priorities is the most important word to keep in mind. It's whatever you are prioritizing. Um, that's that's what's going to get done. So if you're prioritizing school, that's great. But you can only prioritize school for so long. So there needs to be other things that you're going to prioritize in order for you to recharge the batteries. Those you can get burned out and drained, and you're not going to become a doctor. Like, it's not a recipe for success, only to do studying. So the way to uh, recharge the batteries is different, again, for every person. Um, I have my ways of doing that, you know, exercise, music, now I have a this creative outlet with social media. Um, and other people have their family, they have, may have children, um, you know, so you need to find what works for you. So that kind of is in the realm of wellness and burnout and mental health and, um, you know, all this lifestyle stuff, things like, you know, making sure you sleep enough and your sleep quality is good enough, your stress, your community, your social connections, uh, diet and nutrition, exercise, things like that. So. Of course, meditation and yoga could fit in there for people. So that's the way you do it. <laughs> you prioritize med school and then you recharge the batteries in however uh, is conducive to you. Got it. And lastly, what are some of the different subspecialties of radiology and what's done in each one? Just maybe like two or three. Uh, well, there's there's more than two or, right, two or yeah. three, um, but I'll give you some examples. So we have interventional radiology, um, they mostly do procedures. So think about like think about it like minimally invasive surgery using medical imaging to guide it. Um, another one we have is breast radiology. Basically, as breast radiologists, you read mammograms and ultrasounds and MRIs mm -hmm. looking for breast cancer, and you do lots of procedures, lots of patient care and breast radiology. Um, another one is musculoskeletal radiology. So it has to do mostly with bones and muscles, sports medicine talking to the orthopedic surgeons, the sports medicine doctors, the rheumatologists, et cetera, and so on. Uh, they also do procedures. They do things like joint injections. Um, then you have neuroradiologists, basically brain and spinal cord uh, specialists, and they um, interact a lot with neurologists and neurosurgeons. And they might do procedures like lumbar punctures in order to get a sample of the cerebral spinal fluid to, think, to look for things like infection or inflammation or meningitis um there's body radiologists or abdominal or thoraco abdominal imaging mm -hmm. um so that 
encompasses quite a lot of the body, obviously. Um, some people will divide that into cardiovascular or cardiac or thoracic, and then, you know, further subcategorize uh, GI or GU, you know, kind of belly or body abdominal radiology. So, of course, they do procedures that are pertinent to those parts of the body and read images that are pertinent to those parts of the body, you know, for chest, that might be chest CTs and chest x-rays, uh, cardiac MRIs, uh, for the belly, you know, it might be like abdominal MRIs, um, right. all sorts of different CT scans, et cetera, and so on. We also have pediatric radiology, so it has to do everything, everything to do with kids and pediatric pathology, um, and nuclear medicine as well. So nuclear medicine is kind of different from the rest. Um, basically, it's a field that uses radioactive materials, radio tracers, in order to look at the physiology of the body in real time. So th those are kind of the main, the main subspecialties within radiology. You have interventional, breast, musculoskeletal, neuro, body, uh, chest. Um, did I say breast already? Yeah. yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, and, and nuclear, oh, and pediatrics, of course. So. Got it. And that question wraps up our interview. Thank you so much, Dr. Paracis, for joining this interview. I truly appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to stop by. And I hope everyone watching this interview has learned a lot about being a radiologist and a doctor. And if you want to check out Dr. Paracis' Instagram page or YouTube, it will be linked under this video. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And see you guys next time.